Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Well, Joe Biden, President Biden, just walked out on the thinnest ice of his political career, I am guessing. Uh, we will see. He just, he's just wrapping up a speech right now in which he points out that the American middle class over the last 40 years of Reaganomics, my, my addition to that, not his, but you know, basically he said over the, over the last few decades, we have been uh, shoveling money. Again, I'm paraphrasing here. This is all my language, not his. Um, but basically, we've been shoveling money up to the people at the top, the, the billionaires who've made $2 trillion just during the, the, the pandemic. And, you know, we've been screwing middle class people. And he basically announced that, you know, we've got this deal. The $3.5 trillion package is now a $1.75 trillion package. The Medicare expansion that was going to be vision, dental, and hearing aids is now hearing aids. Uh, the climate plan is $555 billion. This is substantial. This is, you know, I, I mean, he has to have this if he's going to go to uh, Scotland, the COP conference. He's, he's off to G20 now, and then, uh, and then he's off to Scotland, in, uh, and then he's off to, which I believe is in Switzerland, and then he's off to uh, Scotland for the, uh, the, the, the COP26, you know, the, the climate change conference. Uh, he said, we're going to promote cleaner energy. We're going to give free pre-kindergarten to people. We're going to give tax credits to uh, young families. This, uh, you know, if this all passes, it will be the largest middle-class tax cut, I, you know, probably in history, maybe certainly one of the biggest. What he didn't succeed at in, a, in these negotiations, I mean, he's laying this out like it's a done deal, right? There haven't been any votes. But what he didn't succeed at doing was uh, rolling back the Trump tax cuts. Kirsten Sinema was absolutely firm on that. Sorry, you can't roll back the ta Trump tax cuts. The billionaires who own me do not want it, and I do what they say, says Senator Sinema. Um, he, to the best of my knowledge, hasn't fully taken on you know big oil and big coal and like that. Of course, you've got Joe Manchin saying, "Hey, the fossil fuel industry owns me, and I'm not." But, but apparently. I mean, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see, right? It's <laughs> don't 
What's the old don't count your chickens before they're hatched? Well, these, these, these eggs have not even been fully laid yet. And President Biden went out to this morning and said, yep, you know, we've got it. We're, we've got this thing under control and here's what it is. And the bet that he's making, in my opinion, and you know, if you think I'm crazy about this, let me know or if you think I missed something. But it sure looks to me like the bet that he's making is that, you know, he's going to go out and announce to the American public, here's all this cool stuff we're going to do. That all of it, everything he said this morning, polls way over north of 80% with the American public. And he says, we're going to do this, and we're going to do it now, and we're going to get it done. And I dare you, essentially, is what he's saying to uh, both the progressives in the House who are saying, wait a minute, we want both pieces of legislation or we're not going to vote on either. And the obstructionist senators in the Senate, Manchin and Cinema, he's basically saying to them, go ahead, make my day. And they may. I mean, he's saying, you know, you want to take down my presidency? Now, I, I, frankly, I don't think the progressives in the House have any, you know, any desire or intention to take down his presidency. That is entirely in the bailiwick of the two senators who are wholly owned by America's right-wing billionaire, fossil fuel billionaire class, Manchin and Cinema. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a huge gamble. I don't know how it could be described as anything other than that. Just an absolutely huge gamble. And, you know, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. The, the White House has endorsed roughly $550 billion to address climate change, uh, including tax changes that he says are going to cut carbon emissions in half by 2030. And there's also $100 billion set aside for immigration. That's to help cut the current backlog. Now, immigration, of course, funding for the immigration services to, to process people has been cut consistently over the last 10 or 12 years. And the entire $1.75 trillion, he says, is paid for in full with, they've abandoned the wealth tax, the, the tax on billionaires, and they've abandoned rolling back uh, Trump's tax cuts. So what they're proposing are two new tax brackets. For people earning more than $10 million a year, there will be an additional 5% added to their tax rate. So they go from what, 34 or 36% up to 38, uh, 37%, 39%. Frankly, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't recall exactly where it's at right now because it got messed with badly by the Trump tax cuts. And then the, and an additional 3% surtax for people earning over $25 million a year. So we're still you know, below 40, 41, 42% uh, tax on on people making more than $25 million. So it's not going to have the effect that that old 74% tax rate had when Reagan came into office that actually caused CEOs to limit their income and reinvest their money in their companies and their employees. That takes, you know, passing through the 50% threshold at the top. But it's a good step. It's a good start. And it will have a lot of positive impact. So, I, you know, I'm very hopeful that this bet of his pays off. I'm... I'm not going to hold my breath, but I think that there's a very good chance that it will. I mean, this is, he's, he's, uh, he's playing Lyndon Johnson here. He's saying to the people who are the outliers in his, in his caucus, in the Democratic caucus, I have done everything I can. I've given you everything I can. We have compromised as much as we're going to. This is it. Take it or leave it. Could be real interesting. 
The other story, by the way, we've got a really big show for you today. Just to give you a, an overview, I, I want to talk about the filibuster in just a moment. Also, Bill Kristol and Noam Chomsky. Yeah, Bill Kristol, who supported the Iraq war, who's basically a neo-fascist, and Noam Chomsky, probably the most well-known figure on the, on the so-called far left, have uh, signed together a letter calling for the end of the filibuster and for the Senate to pass voting rights legislation which kind of ties into my filibuster rant, which I'll get to in just a moment. But let's start out with the filibuster and the fingerprints of the filibuster and why both Republicans and Democrats in the United States Senate want to keep the filibuster and who are the heroes among the Democrats with regard to this. I'll explain all that. Jerry in San Francisco. Hey, Jerry, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, just wanted to give a heads up to folks listening right now that uh, 50 cities are going to be involved in a climate strike protesting the big polluters of fossil fuels. And if you want some information on that, see if uh, you're in an area that will have climate strike, place to search is called Future Coalition. Future Coalition? Okay. Dot org, right. Okay. And what's kind of interesting, too, is there are a lot of cities that are planning this, but, you know, the regular ones, Boston, New York, and so forth, but also Fayetteville, Arkansas, Ames, Iowa, Wichita, Kansas, Moscow, Idaho, and Corpus Christi, Texas. So, so that things are really looking up. And I hope I know so many uh, things are competing for people's attention every day. But if people could take time out yeah. to prove uh, cinema and mansion that they're wrong, I'm looking at the website. It, it looks it looks good. The only the only flag for me is that when I click on about. There's nothing there that says where their funding comes from, uh, you know, what kind of organization they are, yeah, if, um, you know, who's on their board. I mean, uh, you know, that's that's a pretty breathtaking right. lack of transparency here. No, it's true, but I'll, I'll tell you that if you if you don't want to go through that, and you, you you'll go to uh, you know uh, Sunrise Movement, or yeah. uh, it's a coalition of, of established um, environmental groups. Okay, Sunrise and Movement. So, yeah, Sunrise and um, Youth versus Apocalypse. Um, uh, what is uh, Extinction Rebellion? I believe yeah. is part of that. Yeah. But there's also a lot of local um, environmental groups. You know, ones that are just regional. You know, that work out of New York City or, or uh, you know, D.C. That type of thing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, at least you have people who have uh, more than uh, 24 hours to take a good look at that and uh, see if they want to participate. Yeah, it's a good start. And, and uh, you know, if we don't start getting in the streets, if we don't start speaking out more loudly, um, uh, you know, this, this, we're talking about the future of the world. We're talking about the fate of our children and grandchildren. We're talking about, you know, and our own, for that matter. I mean, already right. climate change is killing us. And how do you end your show every day, Tom? Yeah, get out Ag, there. Get you're out. it. Yeah, there you go. Yep. So, Jerry, it's a, right. it's a good one, and thanks for the heads up. You're in uh, San Francisco. Do you know specifically what's going to be happening in San Francisco? Yes. As I said, there's going to be a, a, a demonstration in front of Black Rock headquarters. Okay. And so uh, two years ago, there were, you know, over 70,000 people who participated. And we went from Black Rock over to uh, Chevron, over to uh, Citibank and Chase Bank and uh, so forth. So it's kind of a roving uh, uh, 
through. You know, it yeah. goes from one place to the other and so forth. And I know there wasn't one bit of uh, violence that took place there. I know some people might be uh, worried yeah. about that. But and also give people a chance to meet the young people who have been doing a tremendous job. There you go. There you go. Jerry, I got to run. Thanks for the call and thanks for the heads up. Alrighty, let me let's talk about the filibuster for a moment. I've I have referred to this a couple of times in the last couple of weeks, uh, more or less in passing, and I haven't done a really serious deep dive on it, and certainly hadn't done one over at HartmanReport.com. So yesterday afternoon, uh, Louise and I brainstormed this thing and said, let's let's just lay it out. Why is it that there's still a filibuster? Why? You know the filibuster was basically used from from the 1830s up until the Civil War to block anti-slavery legislation. It was used from 1865 to 1965 for 100 years, almost exclusively to block civil rights legislation. Since 1965, it was used, you know, not all that frequently, frankly, until 2007. And something happened in 2007. What happened in 2007 was America's first black president was elected. And Mitch McConnell and, and the hard right and the Republican Party declared war on America's first black president and said, you are not going to have to Obama, you are not going to have any success with anything. And they literally filibustered everything he did. If you uh, scroll down to the bottom of, of uh, today's piece uh, you know, at, at uh, HartmanReport.com, I took these uh, tables from the United States Senate. The number of filibusters in the Congress in 1923-24, zero. 27-28, zero. I mean, it's zero all the way up to 1959-1960. Cloture was invoked zero times. Cloture was then invoked in 62, 61-62, one time. In the Congress of 63-64, one time. The Congress of 65-66, one time. Congress of 69-70, zero times. It was like, you know, fewer than a half dozen times in the 60s, fewer than 30 times in the entire decade of the 70s. It picked up a little, you know, 10, 11, 12, 20, you know, things like that throughout the 90s and the early 2000s. But then we hit 2007. In 2006, there were, 20, there were, there were 68 cloture motions filed, you know, efforts to, to, to enact a filibuster, 68 of them. The next year, Obama comes into office, boom, 139. By 2013, it was 252. In 2019, it was two, 328. I mean, it's just, you know, the filibuster's everywhere. So the question is why? Who, who benefits from this? Well, here's how it works. And both sides play this game, by the way. The single reason right now why Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin are getting, you know, she's getting harassed walking through airports. You know, somebody was, one of her constituents was trying to talk to her as she was walking through the airport with Tim Scott last week. And Joe Manchin has got, you know, in his hometown newspaper, editorials being run calling him a sellout. Why are they suffering like this? And they are, trust me. I mean, they, they, they both of them, I think, love being the center of the attention, but they don't like a lot of the, this attention that they're getting. Why are, why are they getting this attention? Because there is no filibuster when it comes to reconciliation. 
Reconciliation is a hole in the filibuster that can only be applied for budget items that have to do with taxing and spending. You can't, for example, use reconciliation to end Social Security or criminalize abortion. It has to have to do with taxing and spending. Very specific limits. The this hole in the filibuster, reconciliation, was created in 1974 and then was, was fine-tuned by Robert Byrd in 1985 because the Reagan administration was basically abusing reconciliation to get tax cuts through and other goodies that they wanted. So because this legislation, Joe Biden's legislation, is not subject to a filibuster, it can be passed with 50 votes. If something can be passed with 50 votes, any one senator can shoot it down, but they have to do it publicly. Now, if this bill had not been passed or, you know, proposed to be passed through reconciliation, if it was just, you know, regular order in the Senate, it would be filibustered, or not necessarily regular order, but you know, just the way things are normally done in the Senate, it, it would be filibustered and suddenly you'd need 60 votes. And then Manchin and Cinema would never have had to step up and say, I'm opposed to the taxes, I'm opposed to the, to the fossil fuel stuff. They could have voted for it. They would have voted for it. Knowing that they couldn't get 10 Republicans, it would get shot down, it would die an ignominious death, and nobody would know the Cursed Cinema was owned by the banksters, and nobody would know that Joe Manchin was willing to put the interests of the fossil fuel industry ahead of the future of his own children and grandchildren. But we know that now because there is no filibuster when it comes to reconciliation. There should be no filibuster when it comes to anything. What happens right now is a piece of legislation comes forward to say regulate the banksters or regulate big pharma or regulate the airlines. And let's say that you know we have the current situation where the Democrats are in charge. That legislation, you know, there, there's some Democrat who's taken money from the airlines, there's some Democrat who's taken money from the banks. They would kill it and have to stand up and do so publicly if there was no filibuster, but because there's a filibuster, they'll all vote for it. Sure, yeah, we like that. Even while they're being paid off by the banks. Because they know that it'll never pass. And the Republicans play the exact same game when they control the Senate. Mitch McConnell, there were all kinds of pieces of legislation that his base wanted, that he was like, I'm sorry, I can't pass this. The Democrats keep filibustering what we try to do. Both sides hide behind the filibuster. They go back home and they say, oh, you know, I'm sorry, we couldn't get 60 votes. You've heard it on this program. So I say it's time to blow up the filibuster. And we now have 45 Democratic senators who are saying we need to modify at the very least the, the filibuster, which is great. And you have 13 of them who have come right out and said, end the filibuster. That's Blumenthal, Brown, Cardin, Casey, Gillibrand, Hirono, Heinrich, Klobuchar, Markey, Rosen, Sanders, Schatz, and Van Hollen. The phone number for the Senate is 202-224-3121. If one of those names I just called out is your senator, call them up and thank them. And if your senator isn't signed up, and if your senator hasn't signed up for ending the filibuster, ask them why. 202-224-3121 is the number for the Senate. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. 
and it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back. Tom Harvin here with you. Uh, By the way, there's this open letter, and I I mentioned this at the top of the show. Bill Kristol and Noam Chomsky, honestly, it's amazing. They write, some of us are Democrats, others Republicans, some identify with the left, some with the right, and some with neither. But right now we agree on a fundamental point. We need to join together to defend liberal democracy. Liberal democracy depends on free and fair elections, respect for the rights of others, the rule of law, commitment to truth, and tolerance in our public discourse. All of these are now in serious danger. The letter continues, the primary source of this danger is one of our two major national parties, the Republican Party, which remains under the sway of Trumpist authoritarianism. Trump and his supporters actively work to exploit anxieties and prejudices to promote reckless hostility to the truth and to Americans who disagree with them and to discredit the very practice of free and fair elections in which winners and losers respect the peaceful transfer of power. And then they go on to say that uh, they vigorously oppose these voter disenfranchisement laws and efforts to overturn elections. And they urge the United States Congress to, quote, pass effective national legislation to protect the vote and our elections, and if necessary, to override the Senate filibuster rule. Here we go. Greatest minds on the planet, left, right, and in between. I'm not sure I'd call Bill Crystal one of the greatest minds, but, what, you know, what the hell. Um, saying what I'm saying. The filibuster is, is a scam. You know, in my article, I called it a fig leaf. It's a fig leaf that corrupt senators can hide behind on both parties. And I think it's spectacular that 45 out of 50 Democratic senators are saying, we need to modify the filibuster. And 13 out of 50 Democratic senators have said, we need to end it all together. Frankly, we need more of that. So picking up your phone calls, Tony in Stafford, Virginia. Hey, Tony, what's on your mind today? Yeah, I was just wondering, uh, have you ever heard of the 1933 coup? Yeah, it was referred to as the as the businessman's coup or the businessman's plot. And uh, there were a bunch of wealthy uh, oligarchs, businessmen, 
uh, today we would call them billionaires, who got together and tried to hire Smed General Smedley Butler. They had this uh, veterans organization with a half a million people in it, a uh, hardcore right-wing veterans organization. And they were, they were willing to march on the Capitol and, and seize Franklin Roosevelt and either kill him or hold him hostage and put a good Republican in the White House. And, uh, FDR, and Smedley Butler, the, this Marine general, the most famous Marine general in history at the time, blew the whistle on them. Uh, I, th I think I I've got a clip from FDR here about hate. Let me play this. I'm not sure if this is specifically speaking to that. It's been a while since I've heard it, but uh, just listen along with me. Never before in all our history have these forces been so united against one candidate as they stand today. They are unanimous in their hate for me, and I welcome their hatred. There you go. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> it was a tough time in the 1930s there. Uh, yeah. why, why you bring it up, yeah. Tony? Well, that was just wondering because they, because they, uh, they were going to start off by saying that uh, it was uh, too much work for Roosevelt. You know, his, uh, they were going to start running newspaper ads that, uh, that he was uh, overwhelmed mentally and physically by the job and stuff oh, like that. Oh, they said all kinds of terrible we, things about him. They said he was crazy. They said he was a communist. They, I mean, you know, the, the character assassination against Franklin Roosevelt was breathtaking. But it didn't yeah, go very far because Americans knew, you know, they'd had, they'd had uh, you know, 12 years of Republican rule through the administrations of Warren Harding, Calvin Coolidge, and, and uh, Herbert Hoover. And they saw what it did to America. It, it gutted the, the American middle class. The Roaring Twenties were only roaring for the billionaire class. The average working people actually saw their wages go down. Uh, the stock market exploded, but it was a bubble. It blew up in everybody's face, and they, they brought us the Great Depression. Everybody understood it. In fact, up until the 1950s, they called it the Republican Great Depression. When Dwight Eisenhower was elected in 52, they stopped calling it that. Uh, also, Butler, he's, he went to Congress with the main names and all that. He did. But when Congress... Uh came out with their report they didn't have the names in there but supposedly roosevelt who knew who they were and he called them on the carpet yeah there was there was a lot of uh, guessing that uh, in particular uh, the dupont family and and possibly the rockefeller family were involved in this but uh, the dupont was at the top of the list of suspects but fdr actually shut that investigation down congress opened hearings into it and those hearings lasted a week and a half. And then Franklin Roosevelt went to the Democrats who were running the hearings and said, don't take this any farther. I don't want to give people ideas. I don't want more focus on this. I want people to be focusing on the positive side of our agenda, what we're getting done. I don't want these right wing cranks to get any more publicity, which is, you know, I think, you know, frankly, uh, pretty smart. So, Tony, I got to run, but thanks for the call. David in Spotswood, New Jersey. Hey, David, what's on your mind today? Hey, I, I have a question for you, and I, I, I have an answer to my own question, but a few facts. Um, Germany uh, is, I think, one of the uh, best nations in the world for renewable renewable energy. However, the, whatever coal they have left in the ground, they still export, and it gets burned. Yeah. If we were to go, if we were to build EVs uh, to the tune of uh, what was going to be in the $3.5 trillion bill, right. um or, or even have renewable energy, there would be an enormous demand for coal. Because right now, when you drive an EV, you're really burning coal instead of gasoline. Depends on where so you're getting electricity from, David. I'm, uh, you know, here in Portland, Oregon, we get our electricity from the Bonneville Dam. So when I drive my electric vehicle, I'm, I'm, you know, driving on on water power basically. There's no coal involved. 
Um, but if you live yeah, in a city where you've got a coal-fired power plant, but they're being shut down I'm left a, and I'm right. A, it's you know, coal is a dying energy source. Don't get me wrong. I'm an environmentalist. Isn't it all supposed to be one grid? And, and, no, and, uh, you know, it's not all one grid. In fact, Texas completely separated themselves from the grid. But know, you know, the bottom line know, is that coal, saying, coal and oil and all these other fossil fuel-based uh, sources have now become more expensive than solar and wind. And you know, we just you know we need a little goose here to get over the top. Uh, thanks a lot for the call, Mark in Kingston, Washington. Hey, Mark, what's up? What we're really seeing isn't a filibuster. We're seeing a threat of a filibuster. And I'm wondering, what is the downside of making them do the filibuster? They never look good when they do it. What's your thoughts on that? If, if in order to do a filibuster, actually, there, there, there absolutely is a filibuster. That's, that's why they're doing this by reconciliation. If they tried to introduce it without reconciliation, there'd be an instant filibuster. And the problem is that it's not like in the movie, um, you know, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington or any other movie. Um, if, no. if, if uh, Ted Cruz wants to filibuster, which he has done, wants to filibuster a piece of Democratic legislation, all he has to do is have his, his, uh, his assistant send an email to Chuck Schumer's assistant saying, I object. And all of a sudden, Chuck Schumer, instead of having to have 50 votes, has to have 60 votes. That's all it takes. And literally every single piece of legislation the Democrats have passed out of the House of Representatives and sent to the Senate that Chuck Schumer has brought to the floor has been filibustered, every single one. And this is, like I said, this is something that started in 2007 when we got our first black president and, and Mitch McConnell, one of the you know, fulminating you know, racist, Kentucky racists uh, uh, said, you know, th essentially, uh, this black president is gonna have zero accomplishments. And this, you know, uh, yeah. so. But, but to your point of, of a, um, a filibuster, let it come, because Ted Cruz looked like a complete idiot in that. And no, but he didn't. He doesn't have to do anything. People don't even know who filibustered it. Mitch McConnell is more than happy to say, I will filibuster this, or I have an objection from one of my senators. It's all he has to say. He's hiding them, because there's nobody has to stand on the floor. Nobody has to give a speech. Nobody has to say anything. Nobody has to go on record. This is why I said the filibuster yeah. is a fig leaf that both parties are hiding behind, and it's not a good thing. Thanks a lot for the call. Nicholas in San Cristobal, Mexico. Hey, Nicholas, what's up? Mr. Hartman, this is a, a real quickie. Um, this is apropos of your rant against uh, the fossil fuel obstructionism and the whole thing, and politicians of both sides hiding behind the you know, filibuster and on and on. The New York Times today, it, if, you, if you didn't catch it, you've, you've got to watch this thing. There's a seven-minute little video, which is an animated video of Greta Thunberg over the years, mm -hmm. exclamation point. And all, did you see it? No, I haven't. Oh, it, it is it is drop dead brilliant. It is seven minutes of the greatest takedown of all fossil fuel obstructionism you've ever seen in your life. It is wow. all that's required to get, I'll including that great speech to the United Nations when she virtually screamed at all the adults in the room. She said, "How dare you? You remember that? Right, I do. How dare you? The adults ask the children to save the planet. You did it. You made it on and have you, on. Have you goes. seen the new Facebook meme that's floating around? It's, got, it's two pictures of 17-year-olds. Greta Thunberg on the left, and then on the right is Kyle Rittenhouse with his, with his <laughs> AR-15. And the caption yeah. says, our 17-year-old versus your 17-year-old. Right. Well, our 17-year-old in the New York Times today is an absolute drop-dead must-see. It has 
every brilliant thing anyone ever needs to say back to these climate deniers and idiots that are destroying our world, their world, more importantly, the young's world. I will check it Phenomenal. out. Nicholas, thanks yeah. for the heads up. It's uh, Shorty. always nice. To, yeah, thank you. Always nice to hear from you. It's the Tom Hartman program. Asking, is uh, Walmart a person? Really? Amazon? Seriously? No. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Chevron? ExxonMobil? No, no, no. They're not persons. We are persons. Rob in Mount Iron, Minnesota. Hey, Rob, what's up? I don't know. It's where, you know, this guy, Joe Manchin, and Kristen Sinema, it's where, you know, talk about hypocrites. It's where, you know, if you remember the book Animal Farm, it was where it started out where all animals were created equal. Then towards the end, all of a sudden, it was some animals are more equal than others. Yes. But Joe Manchin never lost a paycheck because he had to take a leave. Yeah, you're Archery right. Taylor Green never has to lose a paycheck because she has to take a leave. That one congressman or senator who got shot at that softball game, I bet you he never lost a paycheck Steve Scalise, because he yeah. had to take leave. But at the same time, they can't vote to be able to take and give the rest of us family leave, huh? Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, Rob. And and I, you know, and and we're the only developed country in the world that doesn't have paid family leave, uh, which is an abomination. And, and, and frankly, you know, it shouldn't be, I mean, I, I think with really, really large employers, you could argue that fa- paid family leave should be just considered, you know, part of the price of having employees. But for a small business, you know, uh, it's, it would be a significant burden. So I, I think it's really important that the government step in and say, we'll take care of this, which is exactly you know, what again, they're proposing they do. They have a good uh, clause in there that uh, under 100 employees, they got to be able to take and make a special issue out of that. But over 100, you know, I, I can't see why, why we can't get that made into law. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, according to Joe Biden this morning, they're going to do it. Um, it uh, yeah. He stopped talking about bills and legislation. He's now talking about a framework. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I am hopeful, but I am continuing to be skeptical. I, I, I think that the right-wing billionaires have got their claws I'm into... For, I'm looking forward to so for uh, some people having uh, footprints on their butt. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Rob, thanks a lot for the call. James in Huntsville, Alabama. Hey, James, what's on your mind? Hey, what's going on there, Tom? Listen to you for a long, long time for some of calling. Well, thank you. Um, I just, um, all of this, though, you know, you know, the New Deal, the Green New Deal, the you know all these different bills, all these different politicians, and what are they doing, and what decisions are they going to make, and all that. Like none of it matters until money is out of politics. Nothing's going to. There's not. Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to matter. Yeah. Until money gets out of so every single topic, every controversy, everything that comes up that's being held up should always circle back. Whether it's us as individuals speaking, or you know, like you guys on the air. Everything, almost every single discussion should circle back to, and if we just got money out of politics, we wouldn't even be talking about this. And And the For the People Act, by the way, just, you know, FYI, James, if you don't know, the For the People Act, H.R. 1, which has passed the House of Representatives and is sitting in the Senate right now with a filibuster on it, that Mm -hmm. bill actually dials back dramatically uh, the power of money in politics, particularly the power of dark money. It, It does it mostly through transparency requirements. But it really would, would, you know, cut the platform out from underneath the right-wing billionaires. Or for that matter, left-wing but billionaires who want to operate in secrity. But it'll never happen because of the billionaires. 
Well, we'll see. I mean, it'll never happen right now because of the filibuster. And I think that, you know, if I were running the Senate, what I would do is I would get a uh, you know, consent across the, the party to, to end the filibuster and then pass the that the next day really quickly before anybody had a chance to figure out what was going on. But well, I don't know if the, if uh, well, Chuck Schumer has the, the ability to do that. You know, my thing is we need a limited constitutional convention. No, you don't want a constitutional. You can't have a limited, a limited constitutional, constitutional convention. There's no such thing. Sure you can Wolf-pack.com. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a, it, you know, that is what Charles Koch wants. Charles Koch and the right-wing billionaires every year for years now, for, for I think at least a decade, have been practicing their constitutional convention in Washington, D.C. Conventionofstates.org.com is their website. You can see the whole thing. No, you do not want a constitutional convention. Matthew in Jefferson County, Texas. Hey, Matthew, what's on your mind today? Hey, thanks for taking my call. I keep uh, listening to your show and enjoying the show. I keep hearing you talk about the filibuster, how we need to get rid of it. Even if we, the Senate was like um, the House where we had a majority rule, we still couldn't get past what we wanted because we have two senators who aren't really Democrats. So it's not the filibuster that's stopping us. We, we got Democrats that don't agree with It's not with just those two, Matthew. You've got, you know, I, I'm not going to name names, but you've got a senator from Delaware who would who would obstruct any efforts to revive the, the or to, to get the banks under control. You've got uh, senators from, actually, I'm not even going to name states. I know yeah. of Democratic senators who would fight climate change, who would fight banking regulation, who would fight big pharma, who would fight, I mean, you know, pick one, right? Because what what each industry does is they pick two or three senators on each side that they, for that particular industry, completely own. And, you know, in the House of Representatives, for example, I think it's fairly obvious, everybody knows, Kurt Schrader here in Oregon, um, Scott Peters in California, Kathleen Rice in New York, they are owned by the pharmaceutical industry. And yeah, so it, why are we acting like the filibuster is the problem then? It, the the filibuster is, is the problem. The only reason that we know that Schrader and Rice and, and Peters and, and, their, and their merry little band are owned by pharma is because there is no filibuster for them to hide behind in the House of Representatives. The only reason that we know that Manchin and Cinema are owned respectively by the fossil fuel industry and the, and the right-wing billionaires is because there is no filibuster in the Senate to hide behind on a reconciliation bill. All these other yeah. issues, regulating the airlines, regulating the big monopolies, enforcing anti-monopoly actions, regulating the banks, regulating pharma, all of those issues, you've got, you've got Democrats and Republicans who are you know, on the wrong side of those issues, but you don't know their names yeah, because the of the filibuster. Yeah, it's, it's just um, this, this um, I just really wish, I hope this, um, I don't know, we, we saw what happened in 2010 when we played it safe with Obamacare and didn't go progressive enough. We lost the House and then I think and we're going to lose the House. that was done by reconciliation. That was done by reconciliation and got watered yeah, down. But it, yeah, but if you're going to use reconciliation to do something, might as well go big because you're going to lose the House anyways. I mean, if you got a year oh, left, I think, to, I think to he live. went as big as he could. It was it was Joe Lieberman, you'll recall, who took one point three million dollars from the from the insurance industry and then said no, no public option, which would have been the the, the killer in Obamacare. And then, of course, the Supreme Court gutted it. So, uh, no, I'm not willing to blame Obama for that. I, you know, the, I, I think he did the best he could, given the circumstances. But the filibuster lets these guys hide. Leo in Putnam County, New York. Hey, Leo, what's up? 
Yeah, hi, John. Thank you for taking my call. I really enjoy your show. And I'm thinking about maybe a different strategy for the Democrats right now with the Build Back Better plan. Mm -hmm. Considering that you have, considering that you have um, Senator Big Farmer from Arizona and Senator Koch from uh, West Virginia not really on board. I don't know if they're going to be on board, but perhaps what the Democrats should do now is just take what they can and concentrate on voting rights. Get what we can so that we get those two people aboard and from then on, try work on on, um, on voting rights, and then come here's the, back here's the problem, Leo, with the get what you can. This is this is what Josh Gottheimer, who's another one of the sold out Democrats, is constantly you know the, the so-called problem solvers caucus, which is was created by the so-called no labels group, which was created by a bunch of Wall Street hedge funds. Uh, and so Josh Gottheimer goes out on TV and says, you know, uh, we need to pass the, this this bipartisan piece of legislation. Well, okay, fine. That bipartisan piece of legislation actually makes the carbon situation in the United States worse, not better. Number one, and, sure. and number two, it doesn't. You know, it does none of these big things. It's got a lot of little tweaks in it, and yeah, throw some money into the highway fund, and it'll help build some bridges and roads, and throw a little money into broadband. But it does so, sort of like the uh, Obamacare. It does so by just pouring money into big corporations. That's why you've got you know uh, Republicans going along with it. And and so, you know, when when Gottheimer says, you know, get what you can and when you say get what you can, Leo, what you're really saying is abandon the really big things, abandon a genuine progressive strategy, abandon, you know, America's young families, ab abandon people who want to go to college and, and get a decent education without being in debt for the rest of their lives, abandon all those things and just go with a little, you know, corporate friendly package. And I think that sucks. I'm not willing to do that, Leo. Thanks a lot for the call. Justin in Clyde, North Carolina. Hey, Justin, what's on your mind? Well, Tom, it's always a pleasure. And, you know, the best part of listening to your program is how you're able to look on the other side of things and bring out an, an edge to it that, you know, I hadn't realized, just like the last caller. So listening to your uh, little bit on FDR, and he was really, he, he knew where the, the bases were loaded, and could really speak truth to power and really call it out. And it seems like we've lost that in our modern political climate with the Democrats. Well, he also had an overwhelming majority in both the House and Senate. So he had a little more latitude than, than, uh, than Joe Biden, a lot more latitude than Joe Biden does. The, the long and the short of it is, is that also he was a, a, a man among men and, and so much more. But it always seems to come back down to whatever the political crisis, the money. And in your opinion, do you think we'll ever get to a point where all the elections in the country from dog catcher to president are publicly funded? And that would, in my opinion, hopefully eliminate all the special interest nonsense. It would eliminate a lot of it. Uh, you have to get rid of dark money as well. But, but I, you know, I, I, I assume that you meant that that was rolled into that. Um, and oh, yeah, yeah this course. is, I mean, this is, Congress did this in 1975. Congress passed legislation to fund federal elections and Jimmy Carter in 19, what was it, 1976? Yeah, uh, Jimmy Carter in 1976 ran with federal funding and won, won the White House. Um, and, you know, Congress did that in 75. Um, the problem is that inflation happened and the Supreme Court in 76 with their Buckley decision said, oh, and by the way, if billionaires want to own a politician, that's cool. They can pour unlimited amounts of money into, into campaigns because it's called free speech now. And then two years later, in 78, the Bellotti decision, they said, by the way, that rule applies to corporations, too. They can own politicians as well. And so that federal funding just got wiped out, just got blown out of the water. 
I mean, it's still in place, right? But nobody's going to use it because, number one, it hasn't been adjusted for inflation. But number two, it, you know, this dark money uh, monster that the Supreme Court created in 76 and 78 that helped Reagan get elected in 1980 is still with us. And that's what the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the first, you know, H.R. 1, the For the People Act, uh, it actually takes on that, which is, I think, one of the reasons why it's not going anywhere, sadly. Justin, thank you for the call. We'll be right back. Stick around. It's, uh, it's quite a day here on the Tom Hartman program. A lot coming up. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back. Let me, let me just say for the record, uh, you know, I'm not opposed to social media. I, I ran a bunch of forums on CompuServe uh, back when that was the Internet from the early 1980s up until the late 1990s when CompuServe vanished, <laughs> it kind of died, uh, got eaten alive by, well, for, for example, Facebook. But we did not have on CompuServe an algorithm that took the most inflammatory, sticky, outrage-fueled content and then pushed it into people's faces. And that's exactly what the algorithms are doing on Facebook on TikTok and uh, Instagram and some of these other social media sites. It appears to me that that's not happening on Twitter. I spent a lot of time on Twitter, I mean, you know, relatively speaking. <laughs> and and uh, it, it looks to me like I just follow the people I follow. You know, they're not pushing Nazis at me or, for that matter, left-wing crazies at me. They're just, you know, it's the people I follow or I, I get to see what they're doing. But uh, this uh, new report, this is at rawstory.com by John Byrne. It's an exclusive to Raw Story. The headline, TikTok recommends serial killers, weapons, videos, and gun accessories to 13-year-old users. Within 12 hours, this is a Raw Story investigation, within 12 hours of opening a, an account for a 13-year-old, TikTok, I'm quoting from, this, from their piece here, TikTok recommended content promoting firearms, 
along with videos promoting body armor and rifle mounts to improve the accuracy of the weapon's fire. It also provided links to websites where they are sold. TikTok also suggested an account about serial killers that described the murder of a naked 14-year-old. Within several days, the app played videos that young users uploaded of their apparent failed suicide attempts, including one girl who appeared to be in a hospital. TikTok's promotion of suicide content will be the subject of a, of a report from Raw Story later this week. Now, TikTok is owned by a company in China, uh, ByteDance. It's based out of Beijing. And, uh, you know, it's... It says here, TikTok knows about the prevalence of guns on its platform. In 2020, Gizmo published TikTok is full of guns. It, it, just, it just goes on and on. I mean, this is, we got we, we to do something about some of this stuff. This, this is pretty amazing. Anyhow, uh, a lot to talk about here. Jeremy in Indianapolis. Hey, Jeremy, what's on your mind? Hey, I want to mention something I think about and hold. Inflation, who's it bad for? And I'll it's say particularly opinion, bad for it, people on fixed incomes. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's, and it, governments people, like inflation because they get to pay off debts with dollars that are worth yeah. less. And, yeah. and some kinds of companies like inflation because it's an opportunity to make money. And people who have money um, can, can like inflation. Like when our inflation, you know, when we had inflation back in the 70s and 80s, Louise's grandmother had sold the family farm and so she had like 100,000 bucks. She was able to put that in CDs that were paying 13, 14% interest. So, yeah. you, know, it, it, you know, you could survive inflation if you had money that you could invest. But if you're living day to day and your paycheck's not going up and you're still stuck on the minimum wage and everything around you is getting more expensive, inflation could be devastating. So we need laws that have fixed incomes be adjusted for inflation. That's, that's why that we have a minimum time. wage. Exactly. Yes. Well, and yeah, fixed incomes. But uh, you've already mentioned it. Uh, in, you know, the government it, it prints money that can cause inflation. And uh, I have a friend who's an advocate for not taxing, but instead just inflating. Yeah, that's not a good and, idea. <laughs> that's not, and, and, but it's, it's really important. I think most people don't get this, that there is a difference between our money supply which is how many dollars in total are in circulation. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, some hundred trillion dollars, you know, in the worldwide, because uh, the U.S. dollar is the reserve currency for the world. It's not just what we use here. We have a, you know, a, a 20 trillion dollar uh, economy, but, but there's probably a hundred trillion, whatever the number is. I don't, I don't recall. It's been years. Um, but let's say there's a hundred trillion dollars out there. If the Fed prints more dollars and they don't actually print it, it's all digitally done. But if mm -hmm. they create more dollars, then you're diluting the value of a dollar. But if the Treasury, that is the federal government's, you know, the, the, the executive branch of the federal government acting on legislation passed by Congress says, okay, we're going to uh, give everybody in America $300 a week for unemployment benefits, and it's going to cost us, say, uh, you know, a trillion dollars, um, which I think probably all the stimulus is going back to, to, to Trump actually did cost probably that. It's going to cost us a trillion dollars. That does not dilute the, the money supply because that trillion dollars, while it's going out into the economy, it also has to come out of the economy and go back into the government. It's a closed loop. Right, either by taxes or by borrowing, one or the other. But in either case, the number of dollars has not changed. And what causes inflation is when the number of dollars goes up, the value of the dollar goes down. 
um, or what causes deflation on the other side. This is what happened in 1932 um, when the value, uh, you know, when the number of dollars in circulation goes down, the value of the dollar goes up. That's called deflation, where things get cheaper, but nobody has any money. And, mm -hmm. and, and that's, you know, those are called depressions. <laughs> so we don't right. want that. Well, wouldn't inflation be good for borrowers? Uh, and a lot of Americans are in debt. Wouldn't it inflation is, help it them? is. If you've got a 20 year mortgage at, at three, three or 4% and you get inflation running five, six, 7%. Yeah, it's great for borrowers in those situations. It's not so great for people who get the 7% mortgage. Although, you know, as interest rates go back down again, they can, they can probably remortgage. So it, it's not so much of a problem there. Jeremy, thank you for the call. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. I remember my dad, he had a 1.5% uh, VA mortgage on his house, and he used to laugh about it in the 80s how the banks were begging him to remortgage at 12%. So we've got a new video up over at TomHartman.com about the, the 14th Amendment and the debt ceiling. And let, you know, just kind of riddle me this one, Batman, right? <laughs> the 14th Amendment reads, and I'm, I'm taking out the parts that specifically refer to pensions and bounties, uh, you know, and, uh, for services suppressing the insurrection because it came out of the Civil War. But the 14th Amendment reads, in part, the validity of the public debt of the United States shall not be questioned. In other words, you can't, Congress, you can't take actions that might cause the public debt not to be paid. You can't refuse to raise the debt ceiling is how I read that. The debt ceiling, of course, didn't even exist when they wrote the 14th Amendment. That came along in 1917. But I think this is raising some really important questions, and I, I dig into it in this video over there. Uh, you can check it out. It's all over at TomHarbin.com. Uh, Michael in Seattle. Hey, Michael, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. I wanted to talk about the supply chain issue. I've been watching and listening to a lot of people talk about that, even like Fried Zakaria and CNN had this guy mm -hmm. and David Lynch talk about it. And everyone points out to the port in Long Beach and Los Angeles and, 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 and the supply chain and the truckers here in the United States and saying that the problem is here, but no one thinks about the fact that the problem is here, in the, but in a different sense. We used to make things here. We make nothing here anymore. So that's why we have a logjam of things waiting to come in here because everything, including Q-tips, are made in China. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, everything I turned on the backside, it said made in USA. If yep. we made stuff here, we wouldn't have not even half that problem we have right now. Made in USA was such a big deal when I was a little kid. I'm, t I'm talking about the 1950s and 1960s that my dad told me this story. I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, uh, 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 but he, he believed it at the time that uh, Japan had actually, uh, as they were reindustrializing in the 1950s, they had renamed one of their cities USA, USA so that they could you know, run products through that city and stamp made in USA 
on the products for the American market. Now, like I said, I'm not sure if that's an actual story, uh, you know, or just something my dad believed, but it illustrated how important it was to American consumers at the time in the 1950s, 60s, and early 70s to have things made in the USA. I, you know, I grew up in Michigan, uh, in Lansing, where, where General Motors, Fisher Body, you know, Chrysler, where they've got all these big factories that are making cars. And I remember in the uh, in 73, 74, 75, in those in in that early mid 70s, we started seeing uh, first it was Honda, and then it was Toyota. We started seeing these Japanese-made cars coming into the United States as very cheap. They were they were they were you know kind of you know tin cans on wheels, um, but. If you owned one, you could you could count on getting your car keyed. You know, people would go by and scratch the paint with the key, um, because people in Michigan were really pissed off about foreign imports. Now you can't. You know, I mean, yeah, we've got some foreign companies that are manufacturing in the United States, but where's all that profit going from the manufacturing? It's going back to Germany or back to Japan. You know, wherever the the headquarters of the factories are. So, uh, Michael, thank you very much for that. David in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hey, David, what's on your mind today? I would like to talk a little bit about inflation and government spending's uh, mm -hmm. limited connection to it. The Federal Reserve and our banking system in general, in my understanding, is uh, entirely fractional reserve banking, which has built into it automatically uh, inflation because uh, money that isn't there gets created according to uh, you know the, the fractional reserve requirement, so to say. Well, so, the, the theory, David, is that as the economy grows, the number of dollars in circulation will grow, and therefore it won't oh, be yeah. inflationary. But, but the actual effect is as you describe it. The other thing is that government spending can cause inflation if it puts enough money in people's hands that it increases demand. And I think you could argue that there was some of that in the last year. But that, that is a, a relatively transitory form of inflation because that demand will subside, which is what all the economists are telling us right now is going to happen after Christmas, that, you know, the hysteria is going to calm down. Right. I'm kind of I'm not even looking at, you know, minor spending, like giving people a break because of COVID. I'm looking at, you know, the costs of our, our wars and how they uh, don't get paid for. They get borrowed uh, to be financed. Right. But that's, and again, not inflationary. Because you, um, you know you're not you're not creating dollars to pay for the wars. I mean, I'm a, I'm a you know I think we should cut our defense spending, but you know I'll give you that. Right. But but, it, but, but I don't I think actually, our defense spending is what's driving inflation. What's what's driving inflation right now is a shortage of goods, you know, and and an increase in demand. Um, I tend to we may disagree, which is heartbreaking because I. Uh, you know, you're a phenomenal man. Well, go and for it. I'm, awesome. I'm perfectly willing to be corrected um, <laughs> if, you're, you know, if you can convince me, David. What, uh, well, like if we look at, say, the Iraq and Afghan uh, wars, mm -hmm. those were paid for primarily by financing. We, and our government's been running perpetual deficits, you know, for decades. Right. But how is that inflationary? So unless it's, unless it's, it's increasing demand. Because, because goods are being purchased that otherwise would not be purchased. Yeah, it's creating demand for armaments, one could say. And the demand for those armaments wouldn't be there without the war. But they're not but essential they're not goods. They're not being paid for. You know, when, being paid but, but, but hang on just a second, David. Back in the sure. 70s, when the, Arabs cut, you know, the Arab oil embargo happened and they cut off our oil, oil prices doubled, then quadrupled, then went up tenfold, right? I mean, it was just an explosion. And everything needs oil. And that produced inflation because, you know, you can't, you can't do anything without oil. You can't drive a car. You can't deliver products. You can't make fertilizer. That's Absolutely different agree. from weapons of war. 
If there's a lot of weapons of war, that doesn't cause inflation because everybody doesn't need them. But what it does is it puts additional money to chase goods and services associated with, uh, you know, the war materiel, so to say, that... Um, I'd say it's, instead it's a, it's a matter of deprioritizing things that are actually important. We're buying weapons instead of buying health care for our kids. Well, yeah, that's true. It's, it's just uh, what I can't seem to resolve is that when money is formerly not there, but suddenly gets created based on fractional reserve banking, that that doesn't inherently... But fractional reserve banking is not what's driving military spending. That's borrowing. David, I'm sorry, I'm out of time. I got to run, but you know, we'll, we'll live to fight another day. <laughs> Thank you, David, for the call. Change starts with you. You can be calling your Democratic or Republican representatives to let them know what you think by calling 202-224-3121. It's the Capitol switchboard. It'll get you right through to them. Peter in Brick, New Jersey. Hey, Peter, what's on your mind? Tom, I've been listening to you and Luis since before Air America days. I've been to like your book signings, so I've seen movies with you. I've been engaged. Well, thank you, Brett. Tell me to get in- yeah, you tell me to get engaged within the party and changing from within. I go see Andy Kim, my representative, third district in New Jersey. I'm engaged, but then I see what happens up in New York and Buffalo. When the Democrats go get uh, primary and and India Walton gets in there and she's a little socialist, well, guess what? The Byron Brown, the incumbent, loses the primary turn. Now he's running as an independent, and the Democratic uh, uh, corporatists are funding his campaign to beat India. India yeah. Walton, the slightly socialist mayor uh, candidate, is being beaten by its own party. Now, this is a long time problem, Peter, with with New York politics. Yeah, and God bless you. And stay involved because, you know, I think New York politics is changing very fast. You've got a new governor who is not talking like the old governor. You know, New York has been run all the way back to Tammany Hall, basically by machine politicians, uh, principally in the Democratic Party. And they got fat and they got happy and they got, uh, uh, it's a terrible phrase, actually, when you think about it. I love it. your hope, but, Tom. Yeah. I love your hope. Well, I, I, you I, know I, what? I, I'm, I'm hanging in there, Doug. Dude, it's so hard. I'm, I'm that frog that's boiling in the water since Reagan. Yeah. It's got really hot since 2008. All these Supreme Court decisions and all these Democrats and Republicans fighting amongst themselves for 40 years, you know, it's really hard. Keep fighting, to Peter. Peter, I got to run, but keep fighting. Uh, I, I think that as uh, we're actually seeing some real considerable change in the Democratic Party. I mean, who would have thought that Bernie Sanders was leading the Democratic agenda? Five years ago, if I'd said that that was going to happen, you would have laughed at me. Things are changing, and they're changing in New York State, too, which is a good thing. Hey, thanks so much for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. Seriously. So like Peter, please get out there and get active, right? Get out to tag your it. Be good to yourself and the people around you. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 